2: Live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now
1: here is Armstrong and Getty. You know, that's the first time. That's the first time I've ever really noticed how pompous it sounds to say the Abraham Lincoln Studio at the George Washington Broadcasting Center.
2: I love it. I I love it. I don't know who came up with that, but it's
1: hilarious.
2: You know what I was thinking? Before we get to that uh, on-air meeting, I was thinking we got to go back to that when we called ourselves the conscience of the nation, because that was so delightfully pompous. That that one's pretty over the top, too. (laughs) Live!
1: Start a brand new year! And it's off, excuse me. <laughs> it's off to a great start, isn't it? We're in a dimly lit room deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. Hey, everybody. To kick off 23, we're under the tutelage of our general
2: manager. Well, first of all, see, senor, and we are under the tutelage of us. Jack Armstrong, Joe Getty, and our fabulous team, tanned, rested, and ready, at least in my case, and ready for 2023. Big finish here. Your, your, your microphone seems odd this morning, and I don't see you. I'm looking over the counter. You're not here.
1: Right. I'm on the phone. I'm going to describe myself as a prisoner of Southwest Airlines. <laughs> I'm going to introduce myself today. Yeah, exactly. You just heard the bars, <laughs> the steely gray bars slam shut. I'm a of <laughs> Southwest Airlines and yeah. have been like, like millions and millions of people across this great land for the last uh, week or so. I can talk more about that later, but um, multiple flights canceled, just like so many people. The the greatest meltdown in the history of travel in the United States of America that occurred over the last
2: two weeks. How long have you been trying to get home?
1: Uh, Oh, I I was just supposed to go home um, yesterday, but I, I, I have done so many different things, driven to different cities to try to get on a different a different flight that was going. And then you, you almost – I did six hours of driving yesterday, turned around twice when you get the text that that flight has been canceled. But that's, uh, that's the way it is uh, this last week for travel. But I'm in Wichita, Kansas, where we are actually on a station, but we're not on live. We're on tape delayed later. So I am sitting in the parking lot at the Holiday Inn, Uh, but I can say that without chance of weirdos showing up because nobody will hear this until later tonight.
2: Wow, wow. Yeah, where our careers uh, together began, beautiful Wichita, Kansas uh, back in 1992.
1: I don't... uh, A lot of people were affected. (laughs) Thank you, Gladys. The first time at 23. Gladys was with she. We re-upped her contract. So Gladys Mm -hmm. with us in 23. That's fantastic. Um, I don't know how closely you've followed the airline meltdown, but so many people were either traveling or had people traveling to see them, or you were wanting to rent a car, or you were wanting to get into a hotel room, or you're wanting to get into a restaurant. Pretty much every aspect of the entertainment and leisure, leisure industry has been affected by the how many total flights were canceled. I mean, it was six, 8,000 per weekend, so it'd have to be 20,000, 30,000 flights minimum,
2: I would think, total. Uh, yeah, and the whole unique there, aspect there, it, it, of what, Southwest it, it, Airlines and how it, it, it manages its crews and its planes and stuff like that, it just cascaded and just kept getting worse. And, and I'm not assuming for a minute you'll be back anytime soon, but uh, I I read so many stories of people stranded in New York or Reno or wherever they were, like on a Tuesday, and were told, yeah, Friday at the earliest, enjoy your stay, chump.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, including the pilots, which is the hilarious part of their meltdown. You had pilots and crews who were... Uh, this is this is the downside of social media for companies. You had pilots and crews posting pictures of how they'd been on hold for eight hours. You're a pilot, you've been oh, on hold more yeah for eight hours with your own company trying to figure out where you're supposed to go, and then finally you just a book a hotel room in whatever town you're in as a pilot and watch CNN explain how your company is a disaster.
2: Well, and for folks who haven't been following the Southwest thing very carefully, uh, they have incredibly, legendarily outdated uh, technical systems, software and such. And when flights are canceled and and schedules are are messed up, the crews have to call in manually and talk to Jim and personnel uh, one at a time to figure out where they're supposed to be going and to book the hotels and such right just uh,
1: and it's it's funny so southwest airlines for years has had the highest customer satisfaction rating and then just had this spectacular meltdown like this where they were canceling 75% of their flights a lot of days day after day after day and uh, what that's going to do to their their brand going forward I don't know but um a rental car so I was supposed to drive to Kansas And take off a week or so ago and the flights got canceled of course and then so i tried to get a rental car well in northern the the top half of california there was not a rental car in the entire half of the state of 35 million people no not one i probably spent six hours on the phone with rental agencies and all of them saying you're the 60th person that's called me in the last hour. No, we do not have any cars.
2: Get in line, jump.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Hilarious. Well, I don't know exactly what this is going to do to Southwest Airlines long term, but I know in the short term, we can look forward to a commercial running very soon in which their CEO is addressing camera very seriously and saying, here at Southwest, we take our customers very seriously and your satisfaction is our top priority. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, it's like when you're on hold and they say, your call is important to us. If it was important. You'd be talking to me now. I wouldn't still be on hold two and a half hours later. It's less important to you to take my call than it is for me to get the correct jelly at a diner on my toast. I don't matter at all to you. Admit it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you guys actually enjoy treating your customers like a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think they do. So here's the other interesting aspect is the other airlines are looking for an opportunity to unseat the airline that has had the highest customer satisfaction all these years so i was trying to book a flight with united which also ended up getting canceled because of weather but they practically the the customer service person practically filleted me through the phone they were so they were so obsequious and trying to make sure that they cared about me i mean i hadn't gotten that kind of service from united airlines or really anyone in many 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 years so maybe that's the upside
2: Yeah, usually you're greeted on United by a rabbit punch to the ear from the flight attendants. Oh, that was overstated, yeah. and I apologize. They do have attorneys.
1: <laughs> yeah, a quick rabbit punch. That's what they do is just you're walking up that little punch. Oh, jeez. Sit down. We should. <laughs> if you don't like it, get another airline. Oh, that's right. You can't. Sit down. <laughs> um, so anyway, more on that later. We should start the show officially, the first show of the year. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On this, it is Tuesday, January the 3rd, the year 2023, and we approve of this program.
2: Let's leap into action then officially according to FCC rules and regulations. And, oh, man, I spent at least a week uh, studying the updates for 2023. Here we go at mark. And now another Bills player is down. Tell exactly who that is. Maybe Hamlin. And that is Damar Hamlin. A big piece of this defense for Sean McDermott back after this. He's a a bigger piece of his family and people who love him. Guy, uh, his heart stopped on the field last night, Monday Night Football.
1: Were you watching?
2: I was not. No, I was watching an idiotic and meaningless uh, college bowl game on the DVR at the time. (laughs)
1: I was because I'm in a hotel and traveling. I don't usually watch sports, but I actually was watching Monday Night Football, and it was a weird scene. I mean, as soon as they started doing CPR, you know, guys getting hurt on the field in football games is not unusual, and, you know, hurt pretty bad is not unusual. Where everybody's, you know, you hope they didn't break their neck or something like that, something horrible. Um, But when they started doing CPR, that's when I was like, holy crap, they're doing CPR on the guy. And this went on for like 15, 20 minutes. It was was something.
2: Yeah, his, uh, he's said to be in critical condition but uh, still alive. Some sort of uh, heart rhythm problem, obviously. Maybe the blow to his chest. I happen to be privy to a text string uh, of golf buddies that included a doctor or two. Um, and so it'll be interesting to hear what happened. But, you know, let's hope and pray he's okay, young man. Uh, but here come the inevitable uh, opinion pieces and 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 you know, mewling editorials about how we need to uh, end football or change it fundamentally or that sort of thing. And I do want to talk about that. Okay.
1: Um, uh, they're going to try to choose the Speaker of the House today. Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes, it doesn't look like. And I didn't know this, but it's been a 100 years since they haven't been able to choose a Speaker on the first vote, and it looks like it's going to happen again today. So the spicy times continue, my friends, as we continue yes. to do things that- haven't been done in a very very long time
2: yeah and and once again as usual as always perhaps the conventional reporting slash wisdom on the kevin mccarthy situation i think is at least 50 percent wrong and so i am looking forward to chatting about that as well
1: yeah maybe we can do that at the bottom of the hour because coming up next we have mailbag how does that look
2: oh it's good good start to the year
1: awesome that's fantastic i have so much to talk about After two weeks off and travel and kids and Christmas and New Year's and New Year's resolutions. Oh, we got to get to that. Lots of stuff on the way. Stay with us. Our text line is 415 295
0: KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.
2: Getty Show. Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for being here. Joe jabbering into the microphone as usual. Jack in Wichita, yes?
1: I am a prisoner of Southwest Airlines. More on that later. Um, The NASDAQ closed the... (laughs) Thank you, Michael. The NASDAQ closed the year down 33%. So that along with double-digit inflation for part of the year. That's just fantastic. Uh-huh. How was that? Can we do better this year, people? More on yeah. that. Yeah.
2: My goodness, yeah. yeah. Buy,
1: the dip. Buy, buy the dip! The dip.
2: That buy the dip! Buy uh, the dip. Blue chips did pretty well last year compared, uh, compared to the high-flying tech stocks. But, you know, everybody knows that. You're going to go slow and steady, or you're going to make a ton of money and then maybe lose a ton of money. That's the fun thing about gambling. <laughs> I mean investing in the stock market, everybody. <laughs> If you'll excuse me, I need to check on my FTX investment mailbag. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the freedom-loving quote of the day. Don't you dare play the buzzer, Michael. First show of the year. Everybody's a little rusty. I love this quote. It was sent along by Phil. Uh, Philip, um, It's one of my all-time favorites, and, and it is absolutely the quote to start the year for the Armstrong and Getty family. It is from my beloved H.L. Mencken. <clears throat> the most dangerous person to any government is the person who is able to think things out for themselves. Almost inevitably, they come to the conclusion that the government he lives under is dishonest, insane, and intolerable. Well, the most dangerous person is them that can think for themselves. Yes, mailbag. Leading off with Polly. God, please tell me you're back on the air today. I'm a nurse, and I've had to work daily over the holidays, and your wit and funny stories got me through some difficult days. I've listened to every one more thing going back a year and a half. Hope you're both both well-rested and had wonderful holidays. Know that you are valued by many. I thank you for what you do. Thank you for your kind words, Polly. Imagine taking her precious time to write something nice like that. Very nice. And we are back, indeed. Uh, Let's see, moving along, Uh, a bunch of stuff uh, people heard on best ofs or talking about traveling. For instance, uh, Eric writes, my family and I visited New Orleans last week. It's one of our favorite cities, but there are several notable differences since we visited 10 years ago. First, our hotel required us to show our key before they opened the automatic doors because vagrants would wander into the lobby. On the street, there were the same number of inebriated souls as before, but many people smoked pot openly, which surprised us. There were a lot more homeless tents than before, and the corner drugstores had several aisles' worth of products under lock and key. Detergents, razors, dish soap, and, of course, the dreaded toothpaste. Reverend Al, are you handy this year? I, I, I'm not sure if you uh, if we've signed him to his contract. Uh, but not to worry, there are plenty of people outside wearing masks, uh, just in case there's a surge in outdoor COVID transmissions. Look out, San Francisco. <laughs> New Orleans has given you a run for your money. Anyway, Happy New Year. That's uh, text Anonymous.
1: Well, that's yeah. interesting, and that change occurred over the last just the last 10 years.
2: You're locking up my toothpaste. <laughs> that's right, Reverend Al. Thank you for weighing in. Uh, my, my good buddy, Rich the bass player from the Dead Flowers, uh, who's a great fan of New Orleans and made his pilgrimage practically yearly for years and years and years, says it's just a different place now. Uh, which wow,
1: that sucks.
2: Uh, If I was writing an email, I would send it off, K-E-T-P-P, keep enacting those progressive policies. Uh, Oh, uh, this is from uh, Pilot Bob from Blah, which is the beautiful Los Altos Hills, okay, in California. Uh, Heard Jack's (laughs) recent awe about the fusion breakthrough at Lawrence Livermore Labs. Agree, it's a major breakthrough, but... I had the privilege of attending the tour of the facility when I was a high school senior. The really cool physicist confidently bragged commercial fusion would be 10 to 15 years away. Of course, my senior class was 1970. I'll bet that commercial fusion electricity is another 10 to 15 years away. I don't want to be cynical, but a lot of people make a lot of money chasing this. Press releases are easy. Real-world engineering is hard. Still quite a few similar breakthroughs are needed. Okay, fair enough. 20-plus year listener still waiting for his oven mitts. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that being said I did hear a podcast with some super smart people uh talking about the the biggest news of the last year and several of them agreeing that unless something goes funky that was the biggest news for planet earth last year that breakthrough on fusion will turn out to be so that's that'd be yeah. cool if it if it is
2: Oh, yeah. I was reading a bit about the the possibilities, the the positives of practically unlimited safe energy and the removal of all the negatives of 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 the way we procure energy now and and all the dislocations of it. Now, in terms of the science of the fusion, how legit it it is, I just I'm not smart enough or informed enough to know I have to trust other people to tell me. Um, But the possibilities boggle the mind. Right. Right. Let's see. Terry was listening to uh, one of our discussions of the whole kid transgender thing. Right? Uh, can someone explain this to me? When we give Lupron to sex offenders, it's called chemical castration. But when we give it to kids, it's called gender affirmation. Any explanation here? Okay. Wow. Terry, we'll see if we can find an explanation for that. How much time do we have, Michael? Okay. Hey, uh, Nate. Uh, who I think is maybe a Lyft driver or something uh, and was talking about the increase in traffic deaths uh, last year. I'm As I'm driving to work right now in my neighborhood, drove past a car sitting on the side of the road, lady warming up, her car holding a big old blunt outside the window. You can smell the pot. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat at a light and you can smell pot coming from the car next to you. There are so many people stoned while driving. They think, oh, I'm being more cautious. I'm fine, but they're dangerous
1: interesting we need to talk about new year's resolutions joe's going to explain why the media is wrong about kevin mccarthy becoming speaker of the house
2: yeah and it could be an epic truly historic battle today and tomorrow and the next day in the house of representatives stay with us
0: won't you armstrong and getty
3: Armstrong and Getty show the math. there are at least five GOP members who oppose McCarthy for speaker and perhaps more McCarthy can only lose four votes and still prevail McCarthy is desperately making concessions McCarthy finally agreed to one demand he'd lower the bar to hold a no-confidence vote for speaker if members don't think he's doing a good job but that didn't satisfy McCarthy detractors. There's nothing that indicates to me that he's gonna change his pattern since he's been in leadership, where he's part of the swamp cartel.
2: It's a war within the Republican caucus. They take power, chaos. This is a party falling apart, et cetera, et cetera. The analysis to come, uh, Joe jabbering into the mic as usual, Jack in a car in Wichita. How cold is it there? Because
0: I'm a
1: prisoner of Southwest Airlines.
2: Thank there you, Mike. Go. Um, is there something wrong with that sound or what? It's, it seems like uh, the, the the jailers aren't swinging the jail door shut with much vigor these days. <laughs> there, there it is. Um, there, now I know I'm in the stripy hole.
1: <laughs> God dang it. I, there are so many millions of people not where they wanted to be at various times over the last two weeks because of air travel. Or or have their bags. I, uh, I know several people who lost their bags through Southwest, still don't know where they are. And because Southwest's phone systems went down and everything like that, you couldn't do anything over the phone. You had to show up to an airport. A friend of mine showed up to an airport, waited in line for four hours. <laughs> four hours oh. on New Year's Eve to fill out a slip of paper about, hey, we'll try and find your bag.
2: Oh, Lord. Ain't nobody got Ain't... time for that. <laughs> And can you imagine all the gate agents and baggage people, how miserable they are? A lot of them have been screaming for years that the technology's so out of date. It's got to be fixed, but Southwest hasn't.
1: Well, how, how out of date is that where we all know, like, where our kids, our pets, our cars are. We can look at an app on our phone and figure out where everything is. But the airlines, we have no idea where your luggage is. No idea. Come stand in line for four hours and we'll try to figure it out. I mean, that's hilarious. As I've heard several people say, I'm going to do it myself. I'm gonna do one of those um air chip thingies.
2: AirPods, yeah. All
1: my, yeah, in my luggage from now on, or even a GPS device aren't they aren't that expensive. Why would if you why leave it up to the clumsy airlines to try to keep track of your packages?
2: Well, know where your luggage is, they don't know where the freaking pilot is. Come on. They right? Don't, they don't care where your point. underpants have gone to. <laughs> that is hilarious. And a major
1: airline in the year, in the 21st century doesn't know where the pilots are. I mean, that is, it's unthinkable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a metaphor for life there, I think. And yeah, we'll talk about Kevin McCarthy and that eventually. But there, there are so many of us who live our lives as if there will be no bumps in the road. And we know we need to make repairs. We know we need to, you know, whatever it is, save more, lose some weight, whatever. And then then when that bump comes, everybody acts like, oh, it's the bump that, uh, that screwed me up here. It's the weather that screwed right. up Southwest. Right. No, it's antiquated technology and a system that's just not resilient. But, you know, they'll either uh, learn and adjust uh, or they won't and they'll go away, which is the beauty of capitalism.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good point to start a brand new year. We, we all need to recognize those deficiencies we have and look into them before the rainy, the proverbial rainy day, which brings me to New Year's resolutions, which maybe we can get into next hour. What are most people resolving this year? How long do they usually last and what categories, etc., etc. I find all that interesting. I've got my own New Year's resolutions. I can't wait to hear yours. So maybe we'll get to that in hour two of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Excellent. I will tell you that I am on day three of sobriety and feeling fantastic so uh well so
1: that, that yeah that that's uh so is this dry January, that's a thing, right
2: yeah, that is a thing, it's definitely a thing uh and and you know me i'm uh, if something's a good idea, but it's popular, I won't do it just because it's popular, um but this is so clearly a good idea, I'm in
1: like paying your taxes or i mean or do you spend, <laughs> extend that to everything?
2: No, just fashionable. If it's fashionable, and and the jabbering morons on CNN or the New York Times are talking and writing about it, I'm so sickened by that. I just I want to go in the other direction. But in this case, and and uh, well, never mind, never mind. Kevin McCarthy I mean, and his travails. It, yeah,
1: it's pop, it's popular, and a good idea to get a tennis shot. or you against that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're you're right. Point well made. Yes, all right. <laughs>
1: What you're you're drinking reminds me, I am completely wiped out from this vacation Uh, as uh, uh, vacationing with kids. I find to be, uh, while it's a good time for them and great memories for the future, uh, relaxing is not where I would put it. And there was a brief period of time in my life. So vacations back before I had kids, when I drank, I would come back from thinking that vacation almost killed me. Then I stopped drinking. At a brief period of time before kids or vacations actually were relaxing, then I started having kids and then back to vacation. If I had to do another vacation like the last two weeks, I, I don't think I could handle it. I would probably die. So I, I need to get back to regular life.
2: Well, I will freely admit on vacation, I drank like it was my job and ate like a circus elephant. So <laughs> this is <laughs> this is definitely a new leaf. But, oh, God. Uh, anyway. But I do feel terrific and I will tell you this I will I I will not preach to folks about how they live their lives I may make a suggestion but I re- totally respect your your will and your ability to fashion your own uh, you know course through life But there was a British study that came out a couple of years ago that just grabbed me and shook me. And it said, if you give your liver and look, if you're a new listener, I'm a guy who enjoys a cocktail. I like scotch. I like bourbon. I love wine. I've got hundreds of bottles of wine. I drink. okay. but this British study said you take two weeks off and your liver visibly heals itself. It's so good for you. And so I think, you know, what I'm doing by being good for a month or so is uh, I'm buying myself, you know, the ability to cocktail at other times. Please drink responsibly or don't. I don't care. Um, but uh, Anyway, so I don't know. Plus, I just I feel better. And, and, and for me, and I talked about this last year, but I realized my muscles, the muscles of relaxing in the evening, of clearing my head of finding something productive to do in the evening. Those muscles get so weak because the answer is always have a couple of drinks and and watch something fun on TV. Um, So it's good to work those muscles again.
1: How long are you committed to January or do you have a timeline?
2: You know, I'm firmly committed to two weeks, probably January. Uh, I'll see how it goes. I feel so good right now. Um, I'm I'm, I'm optimistic about it, but I don't know. We'll see. I hope. I hope the whole month.
1: Yeah, I have. Uh, I have a bigger, more important New Year's resolution, but I have sworn off donuts, so I'm going to try to do that. Wow. As, wow! as everyone so I... listening knows, it had gotten somewhat out of hand.
2: Talk about a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, just to keep the promise, uh, Kevin McCarthy, who's by far the most likely pe- person to be the, the Speaker of the House, he's a Republican from uh, Central California in a safe district in the Bakersfield area. Um, he's worked his way up. Uh, he's he's not a really impressive guy, but he's said to be a really good coalition builder, a good fundraiser, uh, and and people like him. Well, he's Got nice several hair. votes.
1: Nice hair. nice hair, great smile.
2: Beautiful smile. Yeah, not the most eloquent fellow ever, but uh, who among us doesn't have a weak spot? But uh, So anyway, there are a handful of uh, fa- pretty conservative Republicans who don't like him. They don't think he'd be a good speaker, and they're holding out. And with the narrow, narrow House majority, or Republican majority in the House, I should say, uh, he, he really needs, McCarthy needs everybody on his side to get the 218 votes to secure the gavel. So these uh, five hardline, never-Kevin Republicans... Uh, as they call themselves, um, are are demanding concession after concession, but they still haven't given in to say they'll vote for the guy. And here's the interesting part to me, because we're not going to get deep into Beltway crap, much more into governance than politics. But it's been a 100 years since the speaker vote has gone past the first ballot. And, and... Nothing can happen in the House until there is a Speaker of the House elected. So it could go on all day today. It could go on all week. It could go on for months of wrangling over who the next Speaker is going to be, and the House can't do squat until they figure it out, which, which should be uh, jazzy. Yeah,
1: I would say. Um, uh, I guess that's mostly because you don't usually have a House this closely divided where one side has a big enough majority. If you get most of your people to go along, you're going to elect somebody, but that's not the case. You need practically everybody this time.
2: Yeah. Which gives outsized power, obviously to these five Republicans, they've decided to exercise it. Um, And the, the mainstream analysis of this is that this is a party in chaos. My goodness, the Republicans embarrassing themselves. Well, a couple of things. Number one, the last quite a few years in the House, uh, both parties have been the speaker, the House leadership in short, dictating everything to all the members. And the members say, yes, ma'am, no, sir. And they do what they're told. They don't truly represent their districts. Their, their voice and their will isn't really heard. And one of the th- several of the things that these uh, five rogues are demanding is much more uh, input. Uh, amendments, debate, real debate in the House of Representatives, and the ability to boot McCarthy out if they don't think he's doing a good job. That sounds like, and this is such a worn out phrase these days, but this it sounds like more democracy to me, more function in the House of Representatives. So I don't hate it. Well, yeah, and Congress has been so weak and getting
1: weaker session after session. Uh, maybe this is the beginning of individual members and Congress starting to take their power back. So I have no problem with that.
2: Yeah, here, hear. Uh, and there is some <laughs> mostly unrecognized uh, comedy in this. Uh, George Santos, the increasingly legendary uh, newly elected Republican uh, who's lied about everything in his life, apparently. George Santos might not be his real name. I don't know. Um, he says he's full in for Kevin says, uh, he'll be the next speaker. Write that down on a piece of stone and you can cash it in on January 4th. I'll pay you for it. That's his word as a Santos or a Zabrowski or whatever his real name is. Uh, meanwhile, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, on opposite sides of Matt Gates, griping at each other and talking about who's a rhino and who's not and who's a good American. And oh my God, you people. Oh, please just go away.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably enough of that for the first day back.
2: Yeah, no kidding. We'll so it. anyway,
1: they will be battling all yeah,
2: day, time. all week, or all month, whatever. Go go on, sorry.
1: Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. I would like to talk a little bit about the economy, because I think a lot of us are uh, interested in where we are with that. And you know, like I said, we got some New Year's resolution stuff for our two. We have several weeks of news to catch up on. I mean, uh number of celebrity deaths that occurred.
2: Indeed, so much to talk about. Hang around if you can. If you cannot, grab the podcast later. We repackage the uh, radio show as Armstrong and Getty on demand.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
2: It's long been a part of the strategy of the left, but they are working like crazy to twist the language. We have a long-form essay, if you will, a major feature on that topic coming up in hour three of the show. Stay tuned if you can. If not, grab the podcast later. I'm strong and you on demand. Uh, Joe in studio. Jack in car.
1: Prisoner of Southwest Airlines.
2: That's right. Very good. I um, think that's pretty smooth now. Well done.
1: It's getting better. I assume I'll get to come home eventually. I don't know. At what point is Southwest Airlines uh, uh, guilty of uh, kidnapping? If you're uh, at an airport or not at your home destination.
2: Jack, I'm Um, not an attorney, but I'm willing to say yes. Yes, they are.
1: So the stock market gets back to it today. How did 22 turn out? Well, the Dow was only down about nine percent over the year that's not what you're hoping for when you start the year is to have your value go down nine percent but that was actually a bright spot compared to the s p which was down almost 20 percent and the nasdaq which was down 33 freaking percent for the year which is stunning buy the dip, a lot of- buy the dip. <laughs> that's a dip all right that is a dip of course a lot of that is tesla which ended up down sixty five percent for the year. Sixty five percent.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going back. Oh, I can only go back a year. Uh, the the thing about the the mar- the markets, especially the Nasdaq, was up. They were up so sky high over the last three years. It was ridiculous. So everybody knew an adjustment was coming. And I would argue the Dow down nine percent is nothing. Because everybody knew that was coming. But the NASDAQ, whoo, man, that's a roller coaster.
1: Elon Musk is now the first person in world history to lose $200 billion as of last week. Um, One of the reasons he's the only person to ever lose $200 billion is he was the first person to ever have $200 billion, which is really one of the requirements for being able to lose $200 billion. But uh, that, that is absolutely stunning. I mean, good lord! How was your year? Uh, you know, it had its ups and
2: downs. Yeah, well, I I wouldn't know what it's like to have that sort of money, so I I uh, pity poor Elon.
1: Um, so Bloomberg, they they have a thing where they they aggregate all the different stuff of the economy and try to come up with ad number since you got different markets and stuff like that. And their their overall number was that the U.S. was down about thirteen percent when you when you aggregate different things. Um, you know, that's, that's probably about right. I don't know. I I ran into a number of different people who were not happy with where their 401ks and their college funds and all that sort of stuff were to end the year, but whatever. What are you going to do? What what are you going to do? Huh?
2: Well, and if you just got into the markets, I could see it being uh, awful. But, uh, again, anybody who pays attention knows the last few years have been fantasy land. We are all just waiting for the adjustment, for the correction, and, and here it came. It, I'm more concerned about 2023 now, uh, which is a stew of uncertainty. A uh,
1: stew of uncertainty. Here's – as as everybody has been talking about, oh, I read a great article in the Wall Street Journal recently where they interviewed a whole bunch of uh, your best experts in the country on the housing market. No agreement whatsoever on where it's going. I mean, just because all of this is unprecedented, all of it. So they just completely are guessing and no agreement among any of the experts. So your guess is every bit as good as theirs as to where housing is going. And the economy in general, as I was traveling around the last couple of weeks, it's the same problem we had last year. The biggest problem at restaurants isn't the number of customers showing up, it's having enough help to serve those customers. Lines out the door practically everywhere we went. And you'd look in there and that's so funny, it looks like there's enough tables. Yeah, it's because they don't have enough people working there to serve people fast enough. And the airports obviously jam packed full of people. Hotels jam packed full of people. So, is the economy bad? Is it good? The unemployment's record. I don't know. I don't even know what. I don't even know what to say.
2: You know, speaking to the journal, they had a fantastic piece. I can hit you with a little more of later, but it was about how, hey, uh, your your colleagues at work or your employees are less motivated and less willing to go the extra mile than they used to be. It's a big cultural shift. Get used to it. Deal with it. Um, and I just and it's funny, it, it relates to my uh, not drinking this month thing. A lot of people aren't. There's so many things we do just because we've been doing them. They're just a habit. They're a, a cultural assumption. And the whole covid thing through so many cult- cultural assumptions up in the air, uh, people have reset in a significant way. And your your service jobs have really seen a, a Obviously, a giant decline in the number of people who are willing to do them, at least those who are American citizens, as we cast our glance to the border, which is not getting any better. But uh, this how this whole thing shakes out in the next couple of t- two to five years is a complete mystery to me.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. If you hated being a waiter at a restaurant, you would have thought you would have got a different job if one was available. If one wasn't available then when you quit your job being a waiter, what are you doing now?
2: Well, I I don't know. There are a lot of waiters. (laughs) If you were a waiter, what are you doing now? Email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. All right, big hour next hour, little uh, New Year's resolution stuff, plus an explanation of what probably happened to that poor uh, Bills football player who died on the field, brought back to life, but... Uh, hang around if you can. If not, grab the podcast. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Happy New Year.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
4: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
4: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy.
3: important information.